Well, good morning to you. It's so good to see you this morning. I have to say, if, uh, if God were giving extra credit, daylight savings time on this end would be that day. Am I right? You lose the hour and you still get up. How many of you, you, you lost the hour, but you still get up at the same time? Am I right? That didn't change. I was up at my normal time and I was like, you know, this just doesn't seem right. And uh, I saw a friend of mine who's a pastor. Um, he posted that. He said, the only government shutdown that I would approve is that we abolish this rule. So I was like, you know, I think I could go with that. We are just kind of getting started in this uh, great book of the Bible called Philippians. It was uh, Paul penned this letter while in prison. And I think one of the things we sometimes forget is as you're walking through this great book that he's in prison the whole time. It isn't like he got out and then he pointed this, he, he's writing this letter from prison the whole time. And so with that as the backdrop, you think, man, this is a great, I mean, this is a powerful message that he's given all of us while in prison. Perspective, let me just tell you, perspective is a powerful thing when you're thinking about joy in your life and how that plays out. Well, a lot of Paul's teaching, you figure out pretty quickly, is he just starts the layers starts building on them. And he talked about joy and how that, he, that I want to be this, I'm going to, I'm going to display joy regardless of my circumstances, regardless of how this plays out. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be joy because it's a choice. And what Paul realized, because he was writing to this church, this church that was just getting its footing, and he understood the power of certain things. And this is one of the few books of the Bible that where he actually isn't saying, you need to stop doing this. You need, he, he's, he's just kind of encouraging them. And that's probably why Philippians is probably one of my favorite books. It says, Paul knows, that, knows a church that has unity is an unstoppable force in proclaiming the gospel. Am I right? A church that has unity. Now hear me, that's different than conformity. Unity. Unity means we may not always get our way, but what we're doing is so significant, we'll give up some preferences for the good of the kingdom so that the max people are reached for the gospel. And he understood this, and he, he's, he's trying to help the church. And so he's, he, he's added this idea of joy, regardless of your circumstances, you can find joy. And then he starts to add it, and he's adding this powerful layer of humility, and he's going to give us this great model the perfect model of what humility should look like. And so we're going to get there in just a second. Uh, John Dickinson wrote a book called Humilitus. He wrote it at a leadership summit. I read it several years ago. And the whole book's about humility. It was really a great read. But he said this. He said, humility is the noble choice to forego your status, deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. Pretty good definition. I mean, you're putting others before yourself. You're taking all that you are and doing something for the good of somebody else. Well, what we, tied, what we talked about last week is we're, each week I want to go back and say, well, what does biblical joy, if you weren't with us last week, I think sometimes we say everybody should just have biblical joy, and that's kind of a nebulous, kind of like, what is that? I, you mean put a smile on my face? I'm, I can have a smile on my face and looking at the pizza. I mean, I can smile pretty big for that kind of stuff. But that inner joy that regardless of your circumstances, you can find something to be, okay, God, even if there's nothing else, I can still celebrate what you did in my life, okay? You may not be able to do anything else. So as we walk through Philippians, I want to just bring you back to this idea of, of biblical joy. It's an attitude, a choosing to be joyful. I tell my, my little girl all the time, she's, she says, you're making me angry. I said, no, that's your choice. 
You may not like what I've said. You may not like what I'm asking you to do, but choosing to be mad is, it's your choice. And, and now she's like, okay, dad, I know you're going to tell me not, it's my choice. Well, I choose to be mad. I'm like, oh, that's fine. You can choose to be mad. It didn't change the consequences. It might get worse. Do the math. Here we go. But it's a choice. I've known lots of people. That, when I was, uh, I think I've shared this story with you. When I was at uh, Vista Baptist, we had a, a, a gentleman who had stage four uh, colon cancer. And you would have never known it, ever. He was the most joyous person at church. And here's the crazy part. I didn't know it for two years because he chose to focus on other people. All the medicine, all the chemo, all the stuff that was affecting his body. I even played golf with him, and, and he was beating the pants off me, and he was, he was 40 years older than me. I was like, man, this ain't right. And then when I found out he had cancer, I was like, man, can I just carry your bag? Because you're really good. And, but he never... And his wife finally came to me. She said, she said hey, uh, Denny's got pretty big um, screening tomorrow for his, his cancer may be coming back. And I went, and my first words were, what cancer? Because he made it not about him. He found joy in his life up until he took his last breath. Cancer finally got him, but he never, ever said, every time I'd say, hey, can you tell me how you can? Oh, Danny, that's, it's just cancer. That's what he would say. It's just cancer. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about, you know, he always wanted to talk about Jesus stuff. And this is funny because he found joy regardless of the circumstances. And I, I will always, I can see his face because he would, he would be there early to be a greeter and I would see his face at the door and he had a smile and a cup of coffee and he treated you like you were his long lost friend every Sunday a rare gift. So it's an attitude, a choosing to be joyful. It's also about where you place your focus. If you place your focus on all the woe is me's of life, can it get worse? Can you just start to go down that dark hole? Everything's unfair. Why, is, why are these things happening? You get angry at God. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. Um, and then you just, you can lose a lot of stuff there. And then I will say this about the last thing. Um, Biblical joy is living with a sense of gratitude for what Christ has done for us. If you can't find joy in anything else in your day, find joy in what Christ has done for you on the cross. Okay? You may not be able to find joy. It, it may be just simply hard today or in whatever season you're in. But I promise you, you can stand and look at the cross and go, God, thank you for that. I may not be able to thank you for much right now, but I can thank you for that. Okay, so we're in Philippians 2. We're going to just do it in bite-sized chunks. We're going to read just 11 verses. We're going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the 11, and then we're going to unpack the 11. So let's, let's do that real quick. Great stuff. Philippians chapter 2. It says, so here we go. So if there is any encouragement, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of same mind, having the same love, being full according to one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his interests, but also to the interest of others. Having this, having the, the, this mind among yourselves, which is your Christ Jesus 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as anything to be grasped, but emptied himself by the taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that every knee, that the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, um, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There's a lot in there. It's 11 little verses, but let me just tell you, he gives you a blueprint of what, what humility should look like, and we're going to get there here pretty quick. So let's go back and unpack that, that verse, verse 1. Just real, We're going to walk through this. You've got an insert that might help you to kind of catch some stuff, but I want you to, I love seeing words and why they're there, and it kind of builds. This builds big time, so it's pretty cool. So we go back to, so if, it goes like, it's like, if this, this is the way it should be, this idea of if, it's not a maybe. No, this is if should means, it, this ought to be going this way. It's like, it ought to be just kind of common practice. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort for any love or, or any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, the idea of encouragement, I love this. Nothing lifts our spirits more than knowing we are in Christ. This idea that this encouragement that we're doing this together, we meet in here, and it's encouraging to be together with other people and knowing that we're doing it together. There's something great about that. There's a common ground. With all of our diversity in here this morning, the common ground is Jesus for all of us. And that's a great encouragement for us that we know that and we get help. The idea of comfort, the love of God should unite us. All of us in here have needed people around us at some point, am I right? And if you haven't, let somebody do that. Let somebody, let somebody come alongside you and give you some care because you're going to do that for somebody else. Let somebody else do that for you. The love, of, the love of Christ should unite us. It should bring us together. The participation means partnership with one another, that we're doing this partnering together. Look, look at the words he uses, encouragement, comfort, participation, affection, sensitivity towards others, an awareness. I was, I was up seeing uh, one of our church members, Jane Ray, many of you know, I've had kind of two big surgeries. They just said, we're going to do them all in one package deal. And I was waiting for the nurse to come out of the waiting room to find out if I could go back and see her before she went in for surgery. But the gal that she was talking to, I could tell the news that she was giving her wasn't good news. And I could see that she was explaining to her and just kind of walking her through the next steps, and I don't know what it was, but lots of tears and lots of, um, do you have family coming, that kind of thing. Those kind of, kind of catch your breath moments, and so she comes out, and Jane was my focus point, but I could see that this young lady was having a hard season, and she had family, they kind of gathered, and they were, and I asked the nurse, I said, is she going to be okay? And she said, she took some really hard news. And she said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm not her pastor, but I said, I, and I told her who I was, and I said, I'm here to see Jane. She goes, we need more of you to do this with their people. Whether it's a pastor or a deacon or a friend, doesn't matter the title, but to come up and sit and talk with somebody or give them a, we're going to be okay, is powerful. It is. And so it's an awareness, folks. One of the things that we have to be is awareness in church. We're, I tell our Wednesday night crew, I'm trying to work on my Wednesday night crew to be transparent. It's like, you know, you ever had that day when you want to tell everybody you're fine, but you're really not? 
we like to play that game. It's a game called, I'm fine, how about you? It's called diversion, deflection. I don't really want to tell you how I am, you, but I think, man, there's sometimes you go, you know, can I just, can you just pray for me? Can you just, that's what we're, one of the great joys we get is to kind of just walk alongside somebody. Okay, let's figure this out. What can we do? Awareness. So, and that ties to the word sympathy. Sympathy, feeling sorrow for someone and walking with them. Okay, I'm walking there. I love this. Going deeper. You probably should have wrote this. I probably should have had this on the back, but the back is filled up with verses about joy. It says, happiness can be Happiness can be manufactured, but joy must be grown. It involves time and obedience. It's a constant thing. See, happiness, I can be happy because we're eating pizza right after this. I mean, I'm thinking about it now. I'm, I'm, pizza's great, and I know where we're getting it from, and my mouth is watering just thinking about it. But joy is different because happiness is kind of fleeting. It kind of can come and go, but joy is that inter thing that you can be joyful even if it's not perfect and even if it's not great. And let me just help you out. Joy isn't dependent on somebody else. You know, my little girl says, Dad, you're not making me very happy. Well, that's her choice. I'm not going to make you. I'm going to disappoint you. And when your joy is in Christ and when you remember what was done on the cross, regardless of the circumstances, you can find something there. That's true for all of us. So we get to verse 2, and he says this. He says, complete my joy. He says, remember, writing from prison. Now, one of the thoughts I always had is he's writing from prison. Did he get one of the guards to go, hey, can you move your arm a little bit this way so I can write? Because, I mean, he was this. It was like this. He had one guy on either side. He had to get one of them to go, oh, you want to write something? Let me move my arm. Let me... And so, you need a pen? Can you imagine having people on your, you, okay, that's pretty cool. It's kind of, you don't, we don't see all that, but you know that was happening. I mean, so he's doing all this. He says, he's writing to his people, and he says, complete my joy in prison, in chains. Make sure you know that. Complete my joy by being of same mind. And this same mind is really kind of a driving thing. And he, then he takes us right to Christ here in just a second. But I want you to catch, if you want to make a little note, same mind is really crucial for the rest of these verses that we're looking at. The same mind. Complete my joy by being of same mind, having the same love, being full accord, accord and of one mind. Do you understand that he's really driving home this point? that unity in the church and being cohesive and going in the same direction is crucial. When a church is fragmented and going in all different directions and everybody's got their own little things, when I was growing up at Sharon, um, we had had a really good season for quite a few years. And we, we got a new, uh, one of our, a new associate pastor and there was a, a small group of people that got into his ear, and they decided that um, the church needed to go in a different direction. And so they spiritualized it by getting him and about five or six other families to have a prayer meeting at somebody else's house. Now, let me help you out on that. Those don't go well. Just going to help you out. If somebody ever offers to say, hey, we're going to have a prayer meeting at my house and pray for our church and pray for our pastor because he, we really don't like what he's doing and where he's taking us. Just let me help you out. It doesn't go well. 
And when a church gets disunity going, the focus goes with it. Am I right? When the church gets disunity going, the focus is now about my agendas, my stuff, my preferences, my, 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 my. And I saw that play out. I remember my dad, my dad was on staff at the time, and I remember just, we were just like, this isn't going to go well. Because it just, it, it changes the focus. And that's why Paul was saying so, man, just so clearly, he's like, come on, guys. He goes, make my joy complete by being of one accord, doing it this, full, this way, not this way. So what does Paul mean by the same mind? I love this. If we're not of the same mind, we will, hear me on this, we will pursue our own agendas. If we are not, you, you go, I don't like that's this, or I don't wish we did that, or when are we going to do that? I get that. But if, if we're pointing people to Jesus and helping them walk with God and helping them get connected and helping them be invested and, and the kingdom is, is honored, you, I can put away a lot of preferences. And I think what Paul is saying, look, give up some stuff because the kingdom of God is worth all of this. He says the same mind is saying, I'm going to give up some personal preferences because I see the kingdom of God at work and I want to see that keep going. And so then he says, look, he, look at verse 2. Make my joy complete, same mind, same love, full of one mind. And then look what he says in verse two, 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That selfish, I looked up the word, it's a fracturous spirit. A fracturous spirit in the church. You ever known somebody who is a fracturous spirit? They just—they seem to just want to disrupt. They seem to want to cause disunity. Those people typically will 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 wreck a church and then they leave and go to the next church. And they'll do it again and again and again until somebody says no more. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count. I mean, this is count count. Is this worth my personal agenda? Is this worth that this is going to affect people? That's going to affect the, the cohesiveness of the church. That it's going to disrupt what God is doing. That there may be some people, though they may find their way to another church. Here's what I know about churches who have a fractured season. There are a group of people that are strong enough, mature enough, have enough fortitude that they'll find themselves to another church. Am I right? There's another group of people that won't. They won't because, not because they lack spirituality, but because they'll be so wounded, they'll be so confused, they'll be so, I thought that person, he was, he, he, he was my mentor, he was discipling me, and then now he's leading a group of people to split the church. And so those people get a lot of head scratching going on. And Paul is saying, look, guard yourselves against these things. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count. He says, count others. He says, look at those people and say, man, this is worth doing. <clears throat> More significant stuff. Let each of us not only look at our own interests, but also the interest of others. He goes, what we do here, what we do every Sunday is to say, okay, God, we want to honor you as best we can. And we, I know, I know. Uh, some of you would prefer that I never sit. Some of you would prefer that I wear a suit. Am I right? I'm okay. I know that. I'm a big boy. I know this. Some of you prefer that I don't move, that I don't ask questions, but I do. 
and you tolerate me and put up with me, and that's good because I love being here. I love being your pastor. But I chose that this is kind of how God's wired me, and I, I'm, I am committed to pointing people to Jesus, as I know my three, my three other guys right now here are. And we do it all differently, but we have the same accord here. We want people to know Jesus. We want to honor God. We want to magnify Him. We want people to walk with Jesus. And we want people to be a part of this family, and then that has an influence out to the world around us. And I just think that when we think about this idea that I'm going to help, some of you may be shocked to know this, I don't get everything that I want in church. I know, it's shocking. I don't. But I do know this, if I keep kingdom mindset in my cranium, it doesn't matter. I'm excited. I'm excited when somebody else is coming to faith. I'm excited when we do stuff that's not of my comfort level or even my own preference. But you know what? If I see God at work, I'm like, how can you argue with that? I have never, ever, until we did that song, sang a Johnny Cash song. <laughs> ever. I am as far from country as humanly possible. But you know what? I told Keith, he came to me, I don't know, a month and a half ago. He goes, hey, I'm thinking about this song. And I said, you know what? And that's exactly what I told him. I said, it's not my flavor, but I know for some of our country people, it is. Because it's not about me. It's not about me. And so when Paul is saying this, he's saying, come on, guys, protect yourselves. Don't think of yourselves as, as this, because when you get your agenda going, then your self-righteousness, whoo, it just starts to go up. And so it says, look at those people. He says, count the interest. Look at what's, what's valuable. So I want you to think about something for a second. We just said the word humility. I want you to think in your, in your head for just a second. Somebody who you see as humble, and I'm going to help you out. It can't be you. <laughs> what? I'm not that person? Think about it. Think about the person. How many of you have a person in, that in your mind they are a humble person. How, you got that person? Got that person? Think about it for just a second. Now, I need, so I'm going to break my, I'm going to tell you what I always, I, this is how I am. I need some, I need op, participation time. Give me a characteristic of that person that, that represents humility. So, we'll start, we'll start in the center section here just to disrupt things. Some of you raised your hand. What would be a characteristic of a humble person, that, of the person you're thinking of? Always thinking of others. How about over here? Giving. Very good. How about in the middle here? Patient. How about back over here? What's that? Slow to speak, easy to listen. You know, the people that I know that are humble, my friend uh, Mark McKay is, is what I would, he's probably the humblest person I've ever met. He never, ever, ever had to tell me that he was humble. You know, if somebody tells you, I humbly want to say something, probably right on the heels of that is called self-righteousness. <laughs> But I rem I've known Mark for a long time, and he's probably the humblest man I've ever known. The way he conducted his life, he was others-focused, and he did it in a very simple way. 
Um, he was never married. He was a youth pastor longer than I was, which I didn't know was possible, because, but he never, as, quote, aspired for anything else, not a missionary, not a pastor. Um, he did that up until he retired. And so when you think about those characteristics of those people, that's a great model. I want to build on this idea of same mind as we keep walking through because Paul has told us same mind, one mind, one, we're all in this together. We cannot exalt Jesus and self at the same time. Kind of a dust statement. Awareness and surrender is where humility grows. Because when you have other people on your mind and you're surrendering your time, you're surrendering resources, when you're involved in people's lives, it, it becomes less about you. Kind of, a, kind of a cool thing. We must aim to count others' interests and needs as far above our own as Christ did for you and I. Think about that. That what Christ did, he goes, think about how much he had to give up for us. That should give you the blueprint of how much we should be prepared to give up for people. And the last thing I say to you is this. A unified church is a formidable fortress against the enemy. When we have a same mind mindset, it's a powerful thing because when we say we're going to give up personal preferences, and Paul is telling the church, when you do all of this, it's formidable because the enemy doesn't like a healthy church. If the enemy can find some places to pick and poke and to get you to, to, to move in a different direction, he knows that the church is vulnerable. And so I wrote this down about humility. The cross tells us that, that all we bring, all we bring to our salvation is our sin. It's funny how we think, you know, have you ever thought about some person, you go, man, you know, if that person would give their heart to God, they'd be great. They'd be really good for the kingdom. They'd be really, they'd be like an all-star. Let me just tell you, there are no all-stars for God. Everybody's on the same playing field. All of us are on a journey. Some have different roles. But all we, when we came to faith in Christ, all we brought was not, I didn't, when I came to faith in Christ as a seven-year-old, I didn't bring my resume and go, God, here are the, quali- here are the things I bring if, if I'm a Christian. The only thing I brought was my sin and that I needed a Savior and it wasn't me. We cannot enter the Christian life with pride. Jesus didn't. He, and we're going to see that here in just a second. I have a, what some of you may have what a, a life verse. Where, and it's just that I've looked through and I, I went to a verse that I kind of have just said, this is what I want my life to be about because I, if I don't, I can tend to stumble on my own self. And I, I wrote um, this down. It's on the screen here. John 3.30, he must increase. I must decrease. And that's a constant thing for me throughout my life. I've got to work on that. I've got to be not me, God, you. Because my natural inclination is to swap those roles and say, Let's, let me and God come over here. And God's like, no, we can't do it that way. And so we see this idea of same mind, focused mind, bringing us together, that we're all in it together. And Paul is telling his people, it's like, look, when you're together and you're giving up some preferences, it's an amazing thing. It's a powerful thing. It's an unstoppable force. And when you add joy to it, and you've got humility mixed into it, and the humility, we're going to see that in just a second, humility isn't something you go, I'm going to be a humble person today. I guess what? You're going to get some humble pie, because it's probably not going to go well. And so he is talking to us, and, he goes, he, and Paul goes, okay, 
I've given you all this, so I'm going to give you the perfect blueprint. And it starts in verse 5. Look at what he says. He says, have this mind. And this, this, have this mind is like, have what mind? Have this mind. How? I'll show you how. Among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He goes, if you want to have the same mind, have it in Christ. Don't have it in some sort of fancy agendas or some slick visions or some, have it in Christ. And if, if you're taking notes, the mind of Christ, pursue the attitude and actions of Jesus. Let me just tell you, if you just did that, that'll take care of itself. That'll take care of itself. Because if we don't have the same mind of Christ, if we choose our own things, Paul also said in Romans 8, 5, he said this, is, for those who live according to the flesh, and I love the little word, set, set their minds on the things of flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. See, whenever we set our minds to the things of the flesh, you can see that it's clearly wrong, but you're going to do it anyway. Have you ever had that moment where you know you shouldn't eat something, but you have set your mind that you're going to eat it? How many of you have done that this week? Okay, good. I feel real better. I'm really good now. Man, I, I, I went to go work out, and this chocolate donut was just calling my name. And I had just worked out, and I worked out hard. And I was like, now, how many of you have justified your eating? Okay, the more hands should be going up at this one. I'm just saying. And so I, I, you know, I walk by the thing, and I know that at this stage of the day, those babies are fresh. They're, they're even a little warm. I mean, it's just melt in your mouth, not in your hands kind of moment. And I set my mind when I walked in, before I even saw, I said, man, if those donuts are there, I'm getting one. That donut is mine. And I, I'm sure enough, I walk in, get my tea, psh, and I went over and, I, and it, was like, it was like it was calling to me. Danny, I'm the last one by myself. I feel lonely. Take me home. It's funny about it's when we set our minds to something, you can have clear logic on either side of you going, you should not do this. And by my, in my head's going, Danny, you just worked out. You got cereal and juice waiting for you at home. Woohoo! <laughs> cereal and juice, chocolate donut. Let me help you out. Chocolate donut wins every time. But when you set your mind, and Paul is saying, when you set and you do it, it's like, it can be either really good or really bad, am I right? It can be really good for the things of God. When you set your mind, say, I am not doing that. I'm not going to eat the donut. I, that's not long-term in my best interest. So I ate six. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. <laughs> but Paul is saying, if, if you don't set your mind on the things of God, you're going to set it on something else, okay? You're going to set it on something else. So he says, set your mind on Christ, and then he gives you this beautiful blueprint starting in verse 6. He says, let me back up. He says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Look at what it says in verse 6. Who through his, who he was in the form of God did not count, going back, <coughs> excuse me, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He says, I'm, I'm willing to give up some stuff here for people. And then look at what it says in verse 7 but emptied himself. 
emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I think what we fail to realize, heaven was a whole lot easier for Jesus than it was on earth. Am I right? It was way easier. It was way easier. I mean, he, on, in heaven... He, it was just way easier. And then he chose to come in human form, still God, okay, still God, but he chose to do all the human stuff too. He had to learn. He had to grow up. I'm guessing he got some bumps and bruises on his body. He, had to, he, was, he, was, a, he was human form, so he had all of that all the way up to his death. And he experienced physical pain, he experienced rejection. He experienced watching people. We don't talk about this a lot, but his father, after an early stage, must have died at some point. We don't, after the age of 12, we know nothing about his dad after that. Did his dad die? Did he, did he, we talked about this, we were talking about this with one of, with my friend Paul, that did he have the physical, just the physical grief of losing his, his earthly father? the disappointment that he experienced with his disciples and his own family, the disappointment that he witnessed with religious leaders, the physical pain that he endured on our behalf out of love. See, when you look at that word emptied, I think we need to, we, we don't really, we just kind of go, oh, emptied. No, 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 no. You need to think about where he was in relation to this moment and what he was preparing himself to do on our behalf. That's what's crazy. And he says, and he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He humbled himself going back to the definition that he put all of his resources and everything about him for the good of others, for you and me. See, humility will, will act itself out beautifully for other people when you're not thinking about being humble. You just simply do. Let me help you out. Something, I, I woke up this morning, and God really just hit me with this, uh, this, this thought that we ought to really be thankful for, for Christ's humility. We should really be thankful for His humility on the cross because he humbled himself that I'm going to endure this for you because I love you and because I want to make a path for you. Humility was done on our behalf. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote a lot of books, but he's probably most famous for a book called Mere Christianity and Screwtape Letters and uh, Grief of Pain, and, and there are others, but probably he's most known for this one and Screwtape Letters. And I want to read what he said about humility. And I, I was getting ready for this a few weeks ago, and I thought, man, how true is this statement? He says, do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort, a sort of greasy, smarmy, and smarmy means slick, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seems a cheerful, intelligent chap who's, who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, 
it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not think about humility. He will not think about himself at all. Anyone who would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell you the first step. The first step is to realize that you are proud. And the, big, and the biggest step, too, at least nothing whatever can, let me back up, at least nothing whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. See, humility is not something we think about, it's just something we do. It's something that just comes out. The people that you all thought about probably never once have, you, have said to you, I'm really kind of a humble person because that would kind of negate the whole fact that they're humble. And so humility is something that we just simply do. We don't look at it and go, I was kind of humble today. You don't do that. You just do. Because if you did that, then the humility went right out the door. So let's look at a couple quick things about Jesus. Jesus emptied himself. Emptying himself was voluntary and self-imposed. He chose to do this. He wasn't coerced. He, he's like, I, I, this is, I'm doing this for you, for us. Jesus became like us. I love this. Jesus became like us, or rather, like each of us should be. Chew on that one. And the last one, emptied leads to serving others. That is the model Jesus is calling us to. Emptied is, the, is what we're called to, is to empty ourselves out for others, for the kingdom of God, and honoring God with our lives. J.H. Jewett said this, is ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. That if we're going to live our lives for God, it can't be based on our preferences and our likings and all that kind of... And Paul is saying, look, be of one mind, be of same mind as we go forward into the future. Because when we do, we are an unstoppable force. And he was saying, you see my chains? I'm wearing my chains. I will say this, chains don't stop the gospel, am I right? They don't stop the gospel. People think they do. They don't. God can do whatever He wants to do when He wants to do it, and He keeps doing His thing. That hasn't stopped. Paul was in prison, but the kingdom of God grew. It did. It did. It kept going. So you get all that. You, if you're going to be like Jesus, look at what Jesus did, and then He says, here's the result. If you're of one mind and you're going in the same direction, He tells a church, one mind, singular focus, Joy grows, humility grows, not because they're looking at each other, because it's the outflow of your relationship with God. Look at verse 9. Therefore, the therefore is always telling you about everything before it. That's pretty easy. The therefore is always saying, go back and look at what it all said, because this is, the, this is kind of the wrapped up in a nice little pretty bow. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under, the, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God forever. We are going to confess God one way or another. And it's either going to be in a joyous occasion or in a painful one out of rejection of Him. The joyous one is because of salvation. The, the, the painful one is out of rejection of who Jesus is and who He wants us to be. 
And Paul says, look, the outflow of all of that is that everybody's going to see Jesus, and we have an opportunity to reflect Him well. We have an opportunity to point people to Jesus because of the way we are, the way we do stuff. Um, I, I've shared this story, but I, it's worth sharing again. I, I remember a guy going to a new church they'd started up, and he was, based on the people they were attracting, he, w- he would have been uh, far older than everybody else. And he greeted me at the door, and I wanted to see what the church was like, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, Danny, this is not exactly what I would do in church. It's not my preferences. I'm not, I'm not I don't, he kind of went through this little spill. He goes, but there's one thing. They are reaching people for Jesus, and I can see it clearly, and I want to be a part of it. Now, I didn't go to his church. I just went and visited But let me just tell you, that spoke to me, that spoke volumes to me because it talks about that the kingdom of God is powerful when everybody kind of just gives a little bit. And Paul was telling his people, give a little bit, keep the same mind, keep unity, keep going and pointing people to Jesus. Humility isn't something you tell somebody about, it's just something you live out, okay? And I'll tell you how you live it out is by spending time with Jesus, it isn't by sitting in here. It's, by, it's, about, it's actually just walking with Jesus. If you don't know about this, this Jesus person we keep talking about, and you're like, Danny, you talked about this Jesus guy. I don't know if I have anything. But I want to know more about it. Uh, myself or, or Brad or Keith or Corey, we would we'd love to talk to you about what, this Jesus person who wants to be in your life because you can't be humble without him. Okay? And so I want to just give us some time. We're going to sing, and we've got some opportunities for you to respond. This is an altar because sometimes you just think, I, I've, I'm kind of a prideful person, or I'm kind of a, I've got self-righteousness, or whatever it is. It's an opportunity to say, God, I want to make whatever it is about you, not about me. Let's pray. Father, I have to admit that humility flies right out the door when somebody pays you a compliment if you take it because it's something you think you did when it's really you. And I pray, God, that we would protect your church. It's not mine. It's not somebody else's. It's yours. That we are stewarding and shepherding a group of people because that's what you've asked us to do. And I pray, God, that we would do that in a way that points people back to you. That we would understand the value of being of same mind. That in humility, when we serve each other, we are really serving you. When we're not counting the cost, when we're not saying, God, this isn't fair. When we're saying, when we just simply serve, it's a powerful thing, God. And I pray that we would honor you with that. I pray for the next few moments, God. There may be somebody who needs to take a step spiritually. Maybe they don't know about this Jesus. Maybe they need to take that step. Maybe there's, this altar is open and they need just want to do business with you. Maybe there's some in here who want to know more about how to be a part of this church and we would love to help them take those steps as well. For the next few moments, God, help us to do business with you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I ask you to stand. Altar is open.